0: Welcome to the 99th episode, Jeff. The 99th episode. Yeah, there it is. Exciting. We are almost at 100. That's what 99 means.
1: Thanks for that clarification.
0: (laughs) Yeah, You're welcome. I just put together in my head how stupid I am. Uh, So we have a roundtable discussion this evening with Jason Baruti, who you know on the forum as Jason Baruti. Tim, who you know as Tim X, Riotfish, Justin, Jr., who is actually Josh, Alice, who you know as Alligator, and Lynn, who you know as Piglet Shameful. They will all be joining us. Um, did I miss anyone? Riotfish, Justin. Did I say that? Yes. Very good. But uh, first, what should we talk about first? This is this is a big week in Peritopia, Shall I say history? I mean, I guess.
1: Well, land. Let's say land.
0: Land. Peritopia land. Right. Um, First off, of course, we're doing sort of a pre-launch for the Peritopia quarterly, which will be out uh, at some point on Saturday. Right. Um, And that is, again, the cover story and a supplementary article, um, which are super duper important to alien abduction research. Um, So do read it. It's free. And then <laughs> we have a big announcement, Jeff. That's right. We have a big announcement. In fact, I, I dare I say, this is a uh, podcast history. I don't think in the history of podcasts what we're doing has ever been done. Is that fair to say?
1: That's that's uh, that's too horn there. Well, uh, yeah.
0: it is, but it, except it yes. is true.
1: Yeah, you're yeah no, you're right. You're right. I, I think it is. I think it is actually.
0: Uh, yeah, Peritopia Goes Hollywood. We're gonna learn all about that, Anon. Um, do we have anything else to cover? I don't believe so. Okay. Well, without further ado, then let's get to it, because Man Alive! Uh, everyone loves surprises, right? Well, we're gonna kick off this, uh, this roundtable chat with our very special surprise guest and now collaborator. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Paratopia Round Table, but before we get going with that, Jeff and I have a major announcement to make. Uh, and I think this might be historical in all of uh podcasting history. Is that correct? Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. we we have teamed up with none other than Philippe Mora. All right. Philippe Yay! Mora, that is I'm here, <laughs> Cool. <laughs> So, Philippe, we're, what is this going to entail? You and I, we're we're going to embark on an adventure of what movie making and distribution, Peritopia style. Is that correct?
2: Yes, I, I think we we have um, some. Um, what's the word? We are interested in the same things. So I think it would be a really good collaboration to um, do something together, which we discussed. Right now, I'm in a Japanese restaurant in Soho. <laughs> <laughs> we have, have it no other way. <laughs> with a very old friend of mine and a very new friend of mine. Are these people we would know? No. Okay. (laughs) No, no, no. But in all seriousness, the idea is we're going to make a Paratopia Philippe Moore movie or a Philippe
0: Moore Paratopia movie. uh, You had it right the first time. (laughs) I'm sorry, what? (laughs) You had it right the first time, sir. Uh, yeah, well... No, no, I had it wrong the first time. That's why I corrected myself. (laughs) Well, this is going to be exciting. And, uh, I met Philippe earlier this week. We hit it off. It was, uh, he's a lot of fun. He's a great guy. And I think this is going to be a very fruitful collaboration. Um and who knows we'll what be. it will entail. I mean, we'll definitely, you know, we'll probably do documentary stuff and probably do a little fiction stuff. Who knows where this will bring us? But I just wanted to bring you on and say thank you for teaming up with us.
2: No, we're doing it. We're going to do it. It's going to be fantastic. There's no question about it. And the, the issues that you uh, guys have been dealing with... Uh, uh, yeah, You know, as, I, as in our meeting earlier this week, the issues are unresolved. That's what's so fascinating about this, and that's why you, I'm sure your listeners are really fascinated by it. We want to know what the hell's going on.
0: Yeah, this is true. Well, Philippe, I know you're busy and you're out there doing the nightlife thing, but uh, it's not. It's probably rare that anyone gets a chance to talk to you. Does anyone have a question for Philippe? Uh... <laughs> No, good, perfect. Night. That's great.
3: <laughs> I, I think I'm just a bit starstruck. It's just amazing. Wonderful. Giddo.
0: Hi, I'm sorry. What is the question? <laughs> there is no question, <laughs> Philippe. Everyone is starstruck. So they're like, eh, what
3: do we do? The last interview you guys had was wonderful.
2: Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, it was great. Thank you. It's it's because of the interviewers rather than the interviewee. Oh, that's not <laughs> but thank you.
1: That's not true.
0: <laughs> All right, sir. Um Jeff, anything?
1: No, I'm just really looking forward to it. And uh it sounds uh it sounds Yeah really no, exciting. Jeff,
2: I think uh, Jeff, I'm glad you're on. Yeah. I, I think it's gonna be an incredible collaboration. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we're gonna figure out we're gonna figure out exactly uh what we're gonna do. But um the fact of the matter is that Paratopia has brought up all these issues, you know, week after week after week after week. And uh, that latest thing you guys did, analyzing or investigating that abduction thing, I think is terribly important. Oh, absolutely. As, as, I, was, as I was saying to um, Jeremy the other day, you can have 100,000 fake abduction stories But if one story is true, then, you know, lock your doors.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, as far as this project goes, uh, uh, what what do you think the odds are that we can uh, bully Mr. Clapton into doing the soundtrack for it?
2: (laughs) I don't, I can't. I have no idea. <laughs> that's a very unfair question. <laughs> and that, that's the first unfair question. Parrot's happy as ever.
1: That's
0: right. <laughs> that's, that's right. right. The rockin very a first start. one. You guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, sir. We'll let you get on with your night. Thank you for uh, for checking in, and and uh, thanks again for... No, thank you.
2: Fantastic. We're going to do this. I, I, I look forward to it.
0: Yep. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers. All right. How cool is that? Cool. Wow. Very cool. Wow. It looks pretty cool. Multimedia Empire, here we come.
4: If you record audio for any purpose, chances are you want it to be heard. You want to attract the largest audience possible who can hear your message. That's where we come in. We're Cyberears.com, a revolutionary internet service that will host your audio files and help you promote and track its popularity. Considering hosting a podcast to the world, we have all the automated tools to make the process as simple and easy as it can be. No technical mumbo-jumbo to work out. Cyberears.com does all the work for you. You record it, we take care of the rest. So don't delay. Go to Cyberears.com today and register for a free trial account. Upload your audio files and get heard. With Cyberears.com, it's your audio on your terms.
0: So, Paratopia. without further ado, here is the listener roundtable. And I'll go down the list of names and everyone just say hi so we can get associated here. We've got Jason. Hello. Tim. Hello. Justin. Howdy. Josh. Hi. Alice. Good evening. And Lynn. Hi. And Jeff Ritzman. Yeah, that's me. That's you. Uh, so why don't we do this? What um, I'm always interested, I think, when we do these roundtables, in what brings people here, not just to Paratopia, but into uh, the exciting world of the paranormal uh, in the first place. And I guess maybe we'll, um, we'll start with Lynn.
3: I, for years, have been... Uh, experiencing odd things here and there, and um, I was really happy to find Peritopia because it sort of made sense of a lot of things that I had experienced since childhood. So it was kind of a relief to find it, and I find that it's a great community to belong to.
0: Couldn't have written that better myself. (laughs) Uh, What about you, Josh?
5: Well, um, I've had experiences that never seemed to fit into the classic abduction experience, or whatever. Um, you know, when I was younger, I had sorts of I'd seen all sorts of things, and um, and never made the connection between my my experiences with you know UFOs, poltergeists, or activity like that until I started reading uh, up on it. And then I began to wonder. I think it was, it was Whitley Struber's uh, book that made me actually like, kind of think about it. I just began searching, and I saw I'm here.
0: Cool. And, uh, Justin, we can hear you doing whatever you're doing.
6: That was not a can of Guinness being opened.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, while, while you're here, uh, why don't you tell us what brings you to the roundtable?
6: Gosh, I don't know. Um, uh, geez, I'm more, um, not really so much an experiencer as someone's just sort of interested in it. Um, spooky stuff has always been of interest to me. Um, and I think one of the first things that really got me, uh, thinking about this stuff seriously was probably Whitley Strieber's, uh, communion book and movie. So, um, yeah, I think from that you sort of get an idea of why I'm here. I mean, Philippe Mora, Mora was one of your first guests. So, yeah. Um, and I've just sort of stuck around since then. Cool.
0: Uh, Jason? Oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> well,
7: uh, I have no idea, to be honest. I'm not an experiencer.
0: <laughs> That's why I love you, <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> Uh
7: Just interested in, uh, you know, the paranormal. It's a subject that interests me. So, mm-hmm. Peritopia, you know, it's just. Uh, it's a great place. You guys are really, you know, you got a lot of common sense, and I like the things you talk about and people you talk to. So that's why I'm here.
0: Very good, um, Alice. Well, I just
3: have such curiosity to know what the heck these things are I've experienced, and the more I keep trying to find out, <laughs> I can't find out anything from. And it's it's great to hear other people's experiences that are similar to know that you're not crazy. From the shadow people I saw all the time when I was a kid to I lived in a house that had poltergeist in it. I've seen apparitions, and I just want to know what is it. I, I've never had any. I've never seen a UFO or had any kind of abduction experience, but I can't stand it not
0: knowing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Tim, did we get to you? Uh, no,
8: not yet. Um, well, then let's I not do that now, Jeff. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Got me. <laughs> yes, go <ahead.
4: laughs>
8: um i don't uh remember a time where i've ever not been interested in the paranormal ever since i was a kid i was reading like true ghost story books and you know bud hopkins ufo books um i guess i'm like a total paranormal groupie like despite <laughs> my best efforts of trying to have any kind of experience it always kind of eludes me
0: um but you're more than a groupie because you know when I read your posts on the forum, uh, you seem pretty lucid.
8: Well, yeah, I mean, I read a lot about this stuff, and I try to synthesize it as best as I'm able and try to take it from as many different positions as I can. So,
0: Jason, I have a question for you, and maybe you can answer this. I don't know, but I've always thought it was weird that uh, ufology and sci-fi uh, fans never went hand-in-hand. Um, but it seems as though it does go hand-in-hand hand with artists. Why is that?
7: That's a good question. Uh, well, I guess because most artists want to draw something that, you know... Sci- I mean, sci-fi just covers such a wide spectrum of things. And as an artist, uh, I suppose you just want to, you know, draw or paint or wh- whatever it is that you do. Something that's fantastic or something like that.
0: And Jeff, what brings you to the roundtable? I work here. Very good So of any of the stuff That we've talked about on the show Does any of it strike you as An actual legitimate clue And I guess Whoever speaks up first Can take the question first
3: I like that um, You really focus on that It might not be What it's trying to make us think it is That it's sort of chameleon like And it tailors itself to the experience. I I thought that was really um, a brilliant way of looking at
0: it. Yeah, you know, it's funny. um, A story Philippe Mora told me that I think I can tell without pissing anyone off (laughs) uh, was when he was filming Communion and somebody had said, oh, I know, I I think he'd he'd spoken to some sort of biologist or something who said, you know, the, the giant head on that thin neck and the whole thing. I mean, that's not something that's not anatomically correct. That would, that's more like a mask. And he was like, Oh crap. You know, this is the middle of filming. So he calls up Whitley Strieber and says, uh, Whitley, do you think this could be a mask that these things are wearing and not their real faces? And he says, Oh yeah, it's very definitely. It's a mask. you know? And he says, well, why didn't you say that? We're in the middle of filming this thing. Uh, so then they ended up doing that, you know, Of course, having Christopher Walken play with the alien faces that were masks in the middle of the film. And then at the end where he takes off a piece of the face and says, you know, this isn't it. Show me what the reality is. So I think that idea has been out there. And um, I also think it's interesting just to stick with the Whitley thing for a second. I watched him on a Tom Snyder interview recently. I was telling Jeff about this where uh, he was promoting his book Breakthrough. And I think, unless I misheard it, he said that you know he gets all of these letters uh, ever since he wrote communion and the letters don't talk about little alien the little alien doctor scenario they all talk about uh this has been in my family for you know a while this is happening to other people in my family and all that so i find these things to be uh interesting that they've been out there it's just they don't um for some reason they never had any traction i guess right would that be correct little alien Wait, doctors more you... more traction than than not i guess I, I
3: think it's, it's helpful that the media now allows people to compare stories, maybe find some similarities, um, and also sort of uh, validate their own unique experiences, um, which I think helps get us a little closer to the truth, whether there is a truth or not, I don't know. But um, I think people perhaps feel less isolated and they're, they're able to maybe connect some dots that
0: on table 2 before. Mm-hmm. Uh, well let me ask Justin aka Riotfish from the forum mm-hmm. she's bringing up sort of an interesting question which is is it the end result or is it the trek getting there I mean it, is there a truth or is there just the search for the truth do you think that this is always about a perpetual question I mean I think I asked Jacques Vallée this you know is it, <laughs> is it about the perpetual question or do you think that there's an answer at the end of this and of course he said there's an answer I'm not sure I believe that. What, what do you think?
6: Oh, geez. I couldn't even begin to tell you, but, um, well, I think uh, one of the things I like about what you guys do is you sort of, you have looked at the UFO abduction experience from um, different perspectives, such as, like, well, you pointed out that there's something in it that's like being in an altered state, so you guys went and you tried the mushrooms, and, i know that those experiences uh firsthand um they go places that the popular narrative uh imagery that's out there in popular culture that just doesn't go so um i don't know if you're following me but uh, maybe to peg it down a bit um i just read uh phil imbrogno's ultra terrestrial contact and at the back of it it has a whole bunch of uh pie charts based on his own uh information um, that he's gathered over the years. And it actually, uh, it's kind of weird. I was actually kind of surprised. He says that 44% of the cases he's encountered, and I don't know how he decides which cases to include or not, but uh, 44% of them are are reptilian entities. So I don't know. Like... (laughs) you guys don't really talk a lot about reptilians um they're more derided than grays are are grays going to be going in the way of reptilians now with all the work that you guys have been doing are going to be doing or have been doing so i
0: don't think so Um, i don't think anyone really pays attention to our work (laughs) i mean you know you you mean like as in the emma woods thing because actually when i just said that i was thinking in terms of uh yeah jeff's experience of me saying well maybe it's switching over to humans in shrouds or something like that, but Mm -hmm. probably don't mean that. You mean the the Emma Woods type stuff, right?
6: Yeah, I mean, like, um, I mean, when you think UFO or abduction or experience, whatever, um, like, here it says, like, 44% of the the cases are tall grays, um, 9% are short grays. I didn't even know there was a difference, but (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Um. Yeah, like the reptilian thing is more like David Icke kind of stuff. And that's generally not, it's not looked on as as being, um, I mean, it's David Icke. I mean, do I really have to qualify <laughs> it? <laughs> yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is, is the gray going to be going that way? Or like, is there something new that we're seeing? I don't know. Um. But there's a long way to go for sure um as to what it is and how it manifests I'm sure so I don't know if there's a bottom I guess is what I'm sort of circuitously uh moving around so yeah I I I like had like a whole pot of coffee like 20 minutes of working <laughs> <came> on so
4: <laughs>
0: so I'll leave it there very good uh jeff yes I thought perhaps you had something to to say. <laughs> I saw I saw you jumping in.
1: Oh well, you did. Um, no, I, I think that. Um, I mean, the mushroom's been brought up already, and I think that uh, you know, at least with that experience for me, there's definitely a there's definitely a, a snake-like or or reptilian aspect to that. I mean, uh, that I think is interesting. But I mean, I, I knew people a long time ago uh in a support group who were there was a there was quite a few of them in the group i mean i i would say out of you know a dozen uh at least four or five had experienced reptile-like beings of some sort i i just couldn't get over how much they seemed to resemble you know stretch armstrong's arch nemesis you know stretch or um yes. And that just didn't seem to make a lot of sense to me at the time. But, uh, I mean, later on as I got more into it, uh, I met a lady who uh, was very into military abduction stuff. And and reptilians were pretty much the, the forebearer in all of her experiences. That was the guiding thing. And it was also the thing she was most terrified of. Um, I think the Greys were secondary um, in, in invocation of fear when it came to that. She was much more terrified of the reptile um, folks. So, um, I, but I, I'm not sure. I mean, is there is there a connection between? You know, I mean, the first thing, <laughs> the first thing that Jeremy said to me after I ate mushrooms was, "So how was it?" And I go, "Dude, we're surrounded by fucking snakes," <laughs> and and it's you know, and and ever since then I've thought about you know, well, I wonder if that is the you know the the the, the, the stretched or tenuous connection between the, the reptilian alien and uh, and that I wonder if that's it. I've also heard people talk about that the the reptilian aliens uh, seem much more tribal-like than do the greys. Anybody else ever hear that from anyone? No. No. Nope. No? That there seems to be like a very – something very earthy about them and also something very tribal about them. And um, I've had I think three separate people actually tell me that that was the – that was the feeling. It's something, something jungle-like, and that sort of thing. And of course, that's you know, the the the, the jungle thematic is is very big in all of the uh, ayahuasca uh, journeys. So who knows? I mean, are we ever going to figure out what it is? I don't know. I don't. I don't think as long as we're wearing these skin meat suits, that we're going to find out I anything. Mean,
0: <laughs> Has anyone here taken the ayahuasca or a mushroom trip? Uh, I've done mushrooms,
7: but not the ayahuasca.
0: Did you? Was your trip? Was it anything like mine, or were you just doing it recreationally, or what? Just
7: recreationally, only one time, Uh, and didn't really seem to do too much. Huh.
3: Well, that's good.
0: What was yours like? What was my? Well, I think we did a show about it. I uh, it was uh, a lot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're not supposed to eat a bushel barrel. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Well, and it was different with eyes shut than it was. You know, walking around or eyes open. Um, but there, there seem to be different levels of, I don't know, consciousness or something going on. You know, walking around, it was like I was in sort of a flubbery, clown, cartoonish, cactus world. Uh, Sounds
7: like you got the good stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I always had like I had Terence McKenna for some reason narrating like in the background, and, and my own consciousness was even further in the background, and whatever this clown thing was like in the foreground, I, it was just strange. And then it seems to come in waves, and when the wave, then you know, the deeper, the the longer the night goes on, the the sort of more vivid experiences happen in these waves of hallucination, and so even at some point with the eye, you know, eyes open. And the onset of a wave, I mean, my ceiling opened up and this mechanical ship came down that these grasshopper people <laughs> were running. I mean, it was <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> wow. Uh, there was a lot going on. And and then so there was that type of experience happening visually. And then there was the immersive uh, being immersed in, I, I guess what I've been calling probably wrongly, but Krishna consciousness. I mean, sort of the world of the little blue boy uh with all these symbols floating around and all this and, and the whole time there's sort of this Carney barker mushroom presence which was actually me talking to myself but but as this presence you know just constantly saying no you want to this is great why would you because me I'm going oh god I'm going crazy how am I going to relate to people tomorrow what am I going to tell my mom and my sister and all this and you know mushroom guy is then talking out of the other side of my mouth going oh this is great you love this you know isn't this amazing? And then I'm immediately going, You're right, this is amazing. Yeah. And then I'm right back in it. And it's like it's like there's some sort of mushroom entity that that wants me to uh you know, wants to pull me into all of these different sort of carnival of the mind scenarios, um and somehow he gets off from my experiencing them. I don't know, it's it's strange.
8: Were you actually talking out loud?
0: Yes.
6: <laughs> you should Will have you been equipped with you know? a knot
0: stone. So, you know. yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> um, and but, this
6: and this was psilocybin.
0: Uh, I don't know. Are there any other type of mushrooms? I don't know. They, my friend gave them to me. So that that's that's how scientific yeah, that's, this was. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's, more
6: common, that's the more common kind. Yeah.
3: I just heard of a near death experience where the guy saw the Muppets. And they all sang him. They were singing to him and they sang him back into his body. <laughs> <laughs> and that is strangest wow. near death experience i ever
0: heard. That sounds awesome. That sounds terrible. I,
7: <laughs> 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 well, I want to stay. No, 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 no.
0: <laughs> uh, Allie, you said you had uh, sort of what, poltergeist or haunted experiences in your life? Yeah,
3: I lived in a, a rental house for a while, and, and there, it was very dramatic poltergeist
0: experience.
3: And it lasted about three months, and the culmination of it was one night I saw an apparition. But I had a cold. I'd taken contact cold medicine, which can cause hallucinations in some people. Mm-hmm. And, but my dog saw it. My dog was freaking out. So I know it wasn't just me, but after that night, nothing ever happened again, and I lived in that house another six months.
4: Oh. Uh, I'm just curious. Things would I'm just. Fly
3: off the shelves, and furniture would be moved when I'd come home, and nobody had been there, and TVs on and off, lights on and off.
6: I'm just curious. Was that like Robitussin or some other DXM canani- containing it? Was
3: contact cold contact cold medicine.
6: Hmm.
3: I never took it again.
6: Let <laughs> me write that
1: down. Yeah. I'm chocolate. <laughs> I'm so.
0: Yeah, you know. Jeez, these pharmaceuticals, they should, they've should got a whole new ad campaign on their hands. <laughs> uh, so, Allie, what what do you make of that? I mean, in terms of the stuff that we've been talking about with Trickster and maybe it's all of one tapestry, I mean, uh, something about that must appeal to you because you're still listening to the show. So uh, does I, the, the, that type of thinking have any relevance to your real-life situation?
3: Well, when I first started listening to Paratopia about a year ago, I had the thought that perhaps the UFOs and the... Aliens were related to the, the apparitions and the ghosts, and I thought maybe these are the same things. And that's when I started trying to find out.
0: And, and what'd you find?
3: <laughs> Nothing. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, well, nobody knows. looking <laughs> for the paranormal, um, Lynn. Were you also said that you've had abduction experiences? Is that correct?
3: Not not abduction. I wouldn't classify it as abduction experience because I didn't have the. Well, I had the feeling of being transported someplace else, um, but it didn't have that really awful, scary uh, feeling that I think I, I sense from people who have had those experiences.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and the entity I saw d- doesn't even resemble what people talk about. So it was, you know, again, it was that oh, you know, this maybe was tailored to me so I wouldn't freak out because it it looked like something that. I was quite comfortable with, and um, the experience actually uh, changed the course of my life.
0: Well, wait. What What did it look like, first of all?
3: Well, <laughs> I was I was brought up in a religious household, um, and there I remember going to Sunday school, and uh, the description of God uh, in Sunday school was something like white robes, and um, you would never be able to look at His face because it would be like uh, so bright like the sun and you know i just kind of sat with that and accepted it because i was a, a child and you know that's just how it was and then this this is what the thing looked like um i remember being transported i was lying on a on a slab um i felt very comfortable with it i don't think it was god but i think it was trying to appeal to me in a way where I wouldn't be frightened. Um, It asked me a question. On my way back, I remember traveling back. It felt like I was traveling through layers before I went back to my own body. Um, It sort of left me a vision of something. So when I made, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be vague, but it's just a weird experience. When I did make the choice that I think I was, meant to make, um, the vision that I saw actually occurred in real life. So it sort of left me a little breadcrumb, <laughs> hmm. in a way. It was, it was very strange. It was very clear. I remember it. And um, it had a severe impact on my life. It was very positive.
0: What was the question it asked you, or he asked you?
3: Oh, well, I'm going to pull a Jeff on you. Um, and I I can't really... <laughs>
0: I'm glad we have a term for that now. <laughs> I'm glad it's me. It's,
3: it's, it's like this, it's an odd feeling, and I kind of, I don't know if Jeff feels the same way, but it's like this feeling like its you, you don't want to uh, betray the trust or um, uh, sort of disrespect the experience. And, and um, I, I have other experiences I could be more, um, you know, clear about that I'm sorry. That was the most impactful experience, and it's something that I just carry with me. And it's just really—it was just really amazing.
1: Lynn, can I ask um, on a scale of one to ten, how real did the whole experience feel? Twenty. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yep. You're, you're there, aren't you?
3: <laughs> yeah. It was. It was amazing. And yeah. and uh, I, it was like I, I had known this thing all my life right
0: um but you weren't afraid of it
3: no no I mean I've seen other things that I'm terrified of hmm. but I wasn't wasn't afraid of this at all
0: because is mm-hmm. the other thing that Strieber brought up in that interview is that he's uh, he had lost by the time breakthrough came out he said he completely lost his fear but that he was in abject terror when this stuff was happening to him and but then he's met people who are f- for some reason fine with it so there does seem to be you know this I don't know. It's one or the other. It's like you're either really curious and, and think that that everything's really good, or you're scared shitless. Uh, I fall into the scared shitless category. Well, <laughs> it,
1: it, it you know what it it uh, it's Yoda's cave on Dagobah. You know what's in there? Yeah. <laughs> Only what you take with you. You know. I mean, I think that that's a uh, that's a big part of it. And, and as I said before, I think that's where a lot of the infighting comes too, because you know one person can can experience horrifying evil bloodthirsty things and someone else can see angels and they're both correct and they're both real uh more real than real and so how do you you, know, you put those two together you're bound to wind up in a fight i mean there's just no question so um you know i think that's that's that could be one of the biggest hurdles ufology has to get over is is uh and me personally as well. I mean, I've for years I've kind of ignored people who haven't had horrifyingly bad experiences. And uh and, and that's that's not a good way to approach this. I mean, you've got to look at it from both sides. Do you think that um that fear serves a purpose in each experience? I think that it's you. I think that yeah. it's um, – I, I I used to think, well, it's self-preservation. We don't know what it is, and so we're afraid of it. Um, and for years I accepted that until I read uh, a book that uh, that Jeremy gave me uh, by Kirsten uh, uh, Murdy. And, uh, and in there it makes a, the very valid point that he says, you know, you can't be afraid of what you don't know. What you're afraid of – uh, it, you can 't be afraid of the unknown it 's unknown, so what are you, what are you afraid of you don 't know what it is, but what you 're afraid of is losing what you are and you know and this goes back to what Lee Townsend and I used to talk about all the time, which was I think we both came to this realization pretty early on that is really disconcerting when it hits you because you don 't really think about it very much, but there is this notion. Uh, And one of the things I believe that this phenomenon is here to do is to make you realize that you really don't have the toehold on reality that you think you do.
4: Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, we're all dreaming here. I don't buy any of this. (laughs) And in a lot of ways, that mindset since that point, I think is what has uh, – I I think it's what exacerbated more experiences at that point in time and, and to this day probably. Uh, is the fact that I'm just not buying it, you know, uh, and and so I think the fear is uh, is, is and speaks very much to me in, in my line of thinking because I am a control freak, <laughs> and uh, I mean, hey, I can admit it, um, and I think being out of control is what has purposefully, thankfully, kept me away from drugs and alcohol. It's because I don't like that feeling of being out of control. Doing the mushrooms was a huge leap of faith for me. And parts of it were utterly terrifying to me. But I I think, you know, it's it's fear that these things or this phenomena, whatever it is, if it wanted to, it could take you away. I I honestly, honestly believe that. Mm -hmm. I don't think it would. I think if you... uh, I think if it asked you, "Do you want to go with us?" and you said yes, I question what would actually happen.
8: Yeah, I I feel like the what you just said before, how uh, you don't, you're not buying into this, but yet you are in the thick of it. It seems yeah. like on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I think that's why um, this show is, dare I say, important because. Because you are there in it, but yet you're still looking for a reasonable explanation.
1: So, yeah, if there's well, reason, I don't think this, there is one. Yeah, this, if as a joke. I mean, that's that's the that's the cosmic joke of the alien reason. You know, it's uh,
0: interesting talking about the cave and all that. And, and, and you know, as I'm reading more near death stuff to get prepped for Raymond Moody next week, we uh It's all this light at the end of the tunnel stuff, right? And um, so, what does that imply? I mean, what's the unspoken thing if the light is on the other side that we're the cave? That this, you know, like maybe death is coming out of the cave into the broader existence. Wouldn't that be interesting?
8: Well, that's kind of what the. Does everybody know who the the Gnostics are? Yeah. 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 Well, that's kind of what they believed that matter is bad and. Uh, substance or spirit well spirit is is the goal to shed your body
0: yeah they're wrong <laughs> <laughs> well i mean they're wrong in some sense i mean uh it's all if i may be so bold it's all spirit you know um everything is everything as kurt cobain probably would have said <laughs> um let's see oh, could
6: I, I couldn't pipe in could i
0: oh yeah go ahead
6: Okay, um, well, uh, just when you were talking about when Jeff was talking about the cave and how that fear thing is, it's, it has something to do with you, um, I was watching a couple of decu- documentaries over the last 24 hours. Uh, both of them were on um, basically the Gnostics and Amanita muscaria, which is another type of... Uh, it's the red and white... It's the red-capped mushroom that... Ah. And it just sort of talked about the... Um, the imagery of that in a lot of the world's uh, major uh, mainstream religions and some of its roots, but yeah, the one of the second guy that was talking about it, um, he talked about how it's not an easy experience to use the the sacramental uh, uh, mushroom, um, and he talked about how the Egyptian uh, heart, or what is it called, the uh, where they would put, they would have a scale. And the heart would be on one side, and the feather would be on the other side, and they would have to balance out. Right. So, I don't know. That's just what what you were saying, Jeff, sort of reminded me of. So, there's definitely definitely some history to look into there, as yeah. far as you know that kind of thing goes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, when you're talking about
1: psilocybin, I think. Um, there's a, I think Lorenzo over at uh, Psychedelic Salon put up a, a great one-on-one interview with McKenna. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks ago now, and um, one of the things that come up in this discussion that 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 just dropped my jaw to the floor was that um, they, they, they get into a discussion about the entities or the alien as as, as Terence called it, um, and so the, you know these are beings that you encounter in these states, uh, whether it be ayahuasca to the mushroom to whatever else and uh, I find it really interesting that even in the psychedelic experience which you know for years wasn 't equated to any of this stuff, that the same rudimentary thought comes forth out of it, and Terence says, you know, you can spend days and weeks and months trying to purify yourself for that experience, and you don't know whether or not you're clean enough to actually do it, and you won't know until it's too late, (laughs) and that's so brilliant. Because that's, I mean, that's just exactly how some of this stuff comes off. It's like you, uh, I, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, way back when, uh, I had genuine thoughts that whatever this is, uh, I, I've, and as much as you all know, I've thought it demonic at times. I've also thought, what if it's an angel? I mean, not to sound like uh, George Norrie, but it be an angel, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I've actually thought that because there would be nothing more horrifying to me than to look into the face of an angel. Uh, something so uh, perfect would would almost certainly make you feel like a dog turd. And so, you know, I mean, that's uh, that's a whole other avenue. But but yeah, I mean, it, he said flat out that uh, you know if you come into this with uh, anything from a boisterous attitude to, oh, this is going to be fun, to I don't believe any of this, uh, no matter how you come at it, it'll tear you apart if it doesn't like what it sees. And that 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 whole sardonic nature just feels so damn familiar to this stuff. Uh, so let me ask you guys a question. Would any of you be a disappointed or B surprised if we found out that this is all us. Mm. Is there <laughs> another option? No. <laughs> well, i, totally I, I be don't, sure I don't there's other it. options, but what if? What if?
3: Do you mean us in in terms of us in, as we are a generating? We are. A,
1: yeah, we are generating all of it. Uh, I don't know if I would be surprised or disappointed.
0: Well, you don't mean in a psychological way.
1: Oh, no, let's not bring the Antichrist into the discussion here. I mean, no, I, I mean, <laughs> what, yeah, I mean, what if? Uh, you mean what if
0: it's all uh, mental illness? Is that what you're saying?
1: No, no, no. I mean, what if that uh, in some bizarre way that we are actually generating this thing as a source of folly for a mystery between life and death? Uh uh, or birth and death, uh, what if it 's all us uh, and there is no other we are the other um,
4: do you think
3: young children would have the capability of doing that
1: if time isn 't linear yes
3: mm. i think I think it 's a good a good place to start, you know the fact that it 's just one big mirror mm-hmm. um, you know you can 't go through it, you just see the reflection. Um, I would think that we we definitely are capable of many more things than we know we are, if it is us, in terms of poltergeist activity or group sightings of phenomena. Um, we must be pretty powerful generators.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it it stands, I mean, and I'm not saying that this is what I believe by any stretch. I've definitely thought about it. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, I I recently had this discussion with people uh, on a on a message list uh, through emails that uh, you know is it possible that there isn't just one answer to just say the UFO question you know singularly it, it could it be extraterrestrials yeah it could could it be extra dimensional yes it could could it be us yes it could uh, could it be demons. Yes, and then someone chimed in and said, "Well, it could be all of those things." And to me, that's just like where, where do you think we live? <laughs> are we living under the big top? And well, maybe we are living under the Maybe big we top. are,
3: yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. But the, the idea that there are there are extra dimensions um is kind of the thing that you guys have brought me to the the fact that that um, you know, sort of a, a cellular reality exists, and between the cell walls, there are, there are different worlds. Yeah. And sometimes they collapse on each other, and we get a vision. I mean, it, it is it structured like an organism? Is it is it a cliff that we just jump off of and float? <laughs> you know, I I don't know what it is, but I think if it was just us, I think that for me that fits like a a very um, egocentric view of it. Oh, and sort yeah it takes the wonder out of it well, yeah. I think but what maybe. it does
0: i think what it is it's a false positive based on the vagueness coupled with uh the interrelated aspect that we don't understand, so I think if you take an interrelated intel- two interrelated intelligences and you have it be so vague as to what any of it even means to at least one of them mm-hmm. um of course it's very easy to leap to the conclusion that we're generating it yeah. um Or to say that we're wholly generating it, you know, we might – I guess I'm more receptive uh, to the idea that that there is sort of a a co-creation or some – like I said, some sort of vague interrelated, you know, more along the lines of Jeff, you know, when you would say, you know, you you sort of – they need to be us to perceive them to sort of pull themselves here. I think that's closer to it because I think when you're in the face of it, I mean – it's fine to like step back and and discuss possibilities, but when you're in the face of it, there's not a doubt in your mind that this thing has its own autonomous existence, right right,
1: but I think that at the same time i mean uh, uh, there's something something very strange to me about this notion of something can start in your head and wind up on the floor, and that I'm not saying that speaks to us generating this. It, it may in some small part. I mean, I think Heineck was right when he talked about windows and he talked about doors opening. Um, you know, I think there's definitely something to that line of thinking, but uh, my question is: is if we are contacting the other in some mental way first or engaging it mentally some way first, and then that therefore causes some kind of Manifestation, uh, so real that it's more real than your mother, uh, you know, what is that? What else are we capable of doing? You know, that's that's my big question.
3: Uh, well, you focus a lot on the instability and chaos of, mm-hmm. of situations, and then, um, you know, things coming out of that. That's usually when some sort of contact takes place, yeah. Um, I find that really interesting because, I mean, to follow your line of thinking, maybe that is us in some way trying to regain control when we feel completely out of control. I don't don't know.
0: I think, Jeff, what you're talking about gets uh, into what Nick Redfern writes in this first installment of Peritopia Quarterly, coming soon, (laughs) uh, which is the tulpa. He ends his article saying, if you don't know what a tulpa is, go look it up. Uh, And basically, that's what it is. It's something that you're pulling out of your head and it's appearing in front of you. Um, but now then, then the question is, um, and here's where it gets, I think tricky uh, in terms of we are living in a big top. Uh, are you pulling something that actually exists or are you hallucinating something in front of your face that maybe other people can see and then it just dissolves? You know, the way I had the mouse that jumped out of my head and you know, all of that. I mean, that wasn't, I don't think that was a real mouse that I created. But that happens, so I do know that you can pull out a hallucination out of your head. Uh Um, But just as with dreams, where where some dreams are dreams of your unconscious, you know, teaching you something that you're keeping from yourself, or reliving the day, or whatever that is. But then there are those other dreams, right, that are like, wait a minute, that's that's like a communication from something else, Uh, you know. So it may be with this, where you know you've got the thing that comes out of your head that is a hallucination because you've been. Uh, obsessing over it for right. in just the right way, where the recipe comes together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also, there may also be this other thing that needs uh, to use that same tool of of uh, drawing itself into, I don't want to say into this world, that sounds so dramatic, but into this world.
1: <laughs> Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <laughs> uh, guys,
0: I, I kind of have a, a
5: thought. Um, I kind of think of you know, the paranormal is, you know, the the events, the phenomena itself is perhaps being two-way, um, entering into the world that we know than us kind of entering into that other, uh, part of what we don't know and, um, like, kind of like a two-way street. And, um, I guess I was just, you know, in terms of, of, um, uh, just to go to Jeff's experience about, uh, uh, he's going to bed. He heard drums and, uh, he opened his eyes and he saw a man, uh, like an Indian medicine man. Um, actually reminds me of, um, uh, a Strieber account that he wrote on unknown country. Uh, I don't quite remember the details, but Strieber mentioned something about how in his experience, he, uh, he was looking down at, like, primitive people, and they're all dancing with a the, with the fire, I think. I'm not quite sure of all the details, but... And um, then he began to realize that maybe they were calling him, that these primi- primitive people were, you know, with their ritual and dancing, actually pulled him to where they were. And at that moment, when he realized that, then they looked at him and saw him, and... I guess they had some sort of sacrifice, and then the experience ended. But I thought I was—I'm just kind of thinking about in terms of that way. I don't know what anyone's thoughts are, but huh,
1: that's curious. So he was the spirit they were trying to draw in,
0: right?
6: Huh. Very, very Lovecraftian. Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty wild thought, actually.
1: Well, does that sound
0: like something you've experienced, Jeff?
1: Um. No. Um, something we've
0: talked about on the show.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I had that experience of a, a, an older, long-haired, uh, white hair, I mean, snow white hair, um, Native American man that, that was, you know, tapping me with sticks <laughs> on the head, uh, burning sticks. I, I mean, I don't know what any of that was, but I don't have a lot of doubt that I was still laying in bed, but yet I'm looking up and seeing the the scary branches at night of trees and stars and i'm seeing flickering you know in my lower left peripheral and it certainly sounded like a fire you know and this guy was just doing something and kind of mumbling and um i you know it just you know chalk it up you know we could throw another weird ass story on the heap but um you know you've got stuff like that and then what i don't understand is and I told Jeremy this this morning at 10 a.m. <laughs> uh, well, we, we, we were t- supposed to talk to Philippe last night, and he wasn't able to make it. And so after Jeremy and I, and I got done talking, I think it was, what, 11.30, Jared, 12? Was it later than that?
0: Um, yeah, no, that's about right, 12. 12.
4: Right
1: there. And anyway, I went out, and my wife and kid were... In bed, and the dog wasn't even downstairs in her chair, and um, and so I just I flipped the TV on, and I laid down. I was watching TV, and I fell asleep. I woke up, and it was uh, it was five of three, and I said, "Jeez, I got to get up and brush my teeth. I got to get to bed." So I jump up and uh, I go in the bathroom. I brush my teeth. I take a big swag of Listerine, and I'm. I'm uh, I'm rinsing as I'm locking up the house. I'm checking the front door. I'm locking the deadbolt in the kitchen. I'm checking the back door. I'm setting the alarm. And um, I I go back into the bathroom. I spit. I clean up the bathroom. I walk out of the bathroom. I look at the clock on my way upstairs. It's five after four. And there's nothing. I mean doesn't take an hour to brush your teeth. doesn't take an hour to gargle with Listerine. So what happened to an hour and five minutes? And I have no idea. Um, I mean, again, it's flawless. It's absolutely seamless. I'm absolutely 100% sure um, because the clock was no more than five feet away from me when I looked at it both times. So I'm very sure of what time it was. Um, the clock wasn't wrong. In fact... Uh, I went over and picked up my uh my cell phone to, to make sure and I was like, okay, and I went to bed. Uh, and I don't have I, I told Jeremy the only the only time that that seems weird to me is when I walked out of the kitchen going back to the bathroom. I feel like I feel like there was that's when something weird happened, but I can't I got no picture. I got, I have nothing. But I feel like there's a, like when I picture myself walking back into that living room and headed towards that bathroom, there's a very sickening feeling thinking about that at that point and something around the front door. But I got nothing. I mean, that's it. And, uh, And I don't know if I'm pulling that out because I feel like I have to attribute something to it, but I don't think so. I think, um, I think I've already gone through those, and and this one just keeps keeps needling me. Like at that point is when something happened. But if that's the case, my mouth should have been, uh, well, like I gargled with brine water. You know, (laughs) I don't know because I, I mean, I certainly spit out Listerine. An hour and five minutes later. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, were they – you need to lay down. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, so you've got these incredibly colorful things, and then you've got something that's just so seamless that just doesn't make any sense at all. And I don't know what to do with it.
0: Hello? Sorry, did did that? Hi, sorry about that yeah we, we lost Justin and then I thought that I would sneak him back on and I forgot oh. that that puts everybody on hold
6: <laughs> oh. Oh, no, no, no problem. apparently I was uh breathing into the microphone and I tried troubleshooting and I troubleshot too far
8: <laughs>
0: hey, but got, happens you, to everybody but you got you got rid of the problem that was with your microphone too. yeah you sound good yeah huh oh, good um did shoot did we did we get everything <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was pretty... You had a bunch
0: of Listerine in your mouth?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that was was pretty much it. I mean, just the fact that it's so seamless, you know, the fact that there's absolutely no, you know, oogly-boogly at all. It's just nothing. It's an hour is gone. And something had to have happened, but I have absolutely no... I have no anything... Um, and, and nothing beforehand either. I mean, there was, I didn't feel weird. I didn't, I didn't get a weird sense. I didn't hear anything weird. Nothing. I mean, that's it. it end of story. I mean, well,
0: let me ask, uh, Jason or Josh, uh, when you hear this type of stuff, as you do listening to the show, not being experiencers, right? I, Josh, I think you said you weren't either, right?
5: Oh, well, I've had experiences, um, that I can't explain. I
0: I'm not quite sure. Oh well, then I'll get back to you. Hold on. Then Jason, okay. this is for you. What does this do for you? Like, what what is it about listening to this that enriches your brain? Does it make you uh, think? Does it make you wonder? Uh, I'm I'm just curious what it does for somebody uh, who doesn't have these experiences. Because if I didn't, I mean, I've always maintained that I would be the the person making fun of all this crap,
4: which I yeah. am anyway, but <laughs> just
0: as an insider. <laughs>
7: I don't know. I, w- I wouldn't make fun of anybody. Uh, in fact, in some ways, I guess I would say I'm, I'm a little jealous. I- I've never had any sort of experience like that ever in my life. Uh, I would uh, I would love to see something, you know, experience something like that. I don't know if I would want to do it on Jeff's level, but, uh, you know, that's why this whole thing interests me. It's amazing that uh, people are having these experiences. Uh, they seem to be real. They seem to be real to the people that are having them. And there's people like me who go about every day and experience none of it. So,
0: But what about listening to a story? I mean, what is it that affects you, I guess is what I'm asking. Like, why do you keep coming back to the well to hear stories uh, that, that aren't applicable to your daily life?
7: Because it's so damn interesting. I mean, it's amazing some of these stories and the things that are happening to people.
4: Mm-hmm.
7: I don't know. I just, why wouldn't you want to hear
0: and some of those stories come from Josh, apparently. <laughs> Josh.
5: Um, yeah. Um, I guess uh, one of the, the first experience really, that I can remember is when I was really very young. Um, I guess what, what comes to my mind for most is really when my mother would tuck me in at night um Immediately after she left the room to go to my sister's room to tuck her in, I would begin to see these, um, and it sounds crazy, but it begins to see these suspended rubber wheels in the room. And the best way I can describe these rubber wheels is, you ever see, like, one of those toy cars um, for little kids? comes in Happy Meals, you pull them back, and they have those rubber wheels? Yes. Yeah, well it was it would be like one of those uh those uh one wheel and um and I'd be seeing this in my uh my room and I you know I'd, I'd be fascinated but I'd all, I was also uh terrified of it. Um, it would also kind of expand and the rubber the black part of it would thicken to the point where I felt like it was about to engulf me, and I just like a vortex. What was that? Like a vortex opening into the, into the room. Kind of. It it it's it, it still has the it still looks like a wheel, but it's still like it's this big thick rubber that almost seems to have no end to it as it's expanding. And I just remember feeling like, well, this is, I can't really be seeing this, but I am. And, but at the same time, I'm also, um, I'm, I know there's something that's in right about it. And, uh, and, I was wondering, you know, like, I gotta be hallucinating. I never really associated any of this to, you know, ghosts or anything like that. I didn't really know anything about that. Uh,
0: Where was it in the room? In my life. What was that? Where was it located in the room?
5: It was located, uh, right, well, close to the opposite wall where my bed was. Um, and sometimes it would seem like it would, would be right near my, my eyeball. <laughs> and I would looking to the side of my bed, it'd be right there and I could just see it. And, um, and I guess what really kind of weirded me was the detail that I could pick up from it. Like, if it was my imagination, it was really vivid. Um, could you look and, away uh, from it? I don't I mean, remember.
1: You... No? Okay.
5: Yeah, I mean, it was, was like a teddy bear a in it or something. Okay, I can not hear you. I'm sorry.
3: I'm sorry. I just said something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought have you ever lugged a teddy bear into it or something just to see what,
5: what happened. Uh, uh No. It would it would keep occurring like uh, a couple nights afterwards, and then later on, I would, after a couple nights, um, I would have this terrifying experience that I can't really. There's, there's only a, there's only a few things I can remember from it, which was um, waking up in, in the middle of the night and just being terrified, but I don't know what I'm being you know what I'm terrified of. Um, remember feeling like I'm, you know, I'm hyperventilating and, um, and I guess, you know, this, this sounds crazy again because, um, it makes me think, well, was I, you know, schizo or whatever, but, um, I kept hearing these whispers as if there was two people in the room talking to each other. And then they would get louder and louder until I couldn't take it anymore. It was like, um, They were shouting at each other. And and the weird thing is, I I can't... I don't know what they were shouting about. Um, It was to the point where I felt like I was about to be, you know... The the, the word that kind of comes up with some of my experiences is annihilated. And then it would just go right back to a whisper again and continue until... Were you paranoid? Yeah, when I... Um... I'm not sure if I was, you know, paralyzed, but I you know, I've I've had paralysis uh, episodes quite often in you know in my it's you know, in my experiences.
8: Were the voices in English? Could you understand what they were saying?
5: No, I, I I couldn't really I couldn't make out any any words that I was familiar with.
3: I knew a guy that something like that had happened to him. It, he said it sounded like Hebrew. Like
5: the voices were speaking in Hebrew. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't
1: know. See, mine, I, and I had the whispers a lot as a kid. I, I used to hear that. I mean, just exactly like you're saying at night, uh, wake up in the middle of the night. But mine seemed to be like the same thing. Uh, it was like somebody repeating something over and over in a whisper that was unintelligible, but there were far more than one. It It, it always seemed like two or three to me. I don't know that it progressively got louder. Uh, yeah, but I have had audible things that, uh, that started out very faint and then progressed to screaming. And then, you know, which would kind of jolt me out of even listening. Um, so, but, uh, but the whispering thing, mine was always just like, it was that over and over and over and over. Um, well, Which yeah, you're right, does sound completely insane until you're talking about this stuff. <laughs> and Josh, then what right. did
0: you what did you do with the experience? I mean, uh, did you ignore it and go on with life? Did you uh, what what did you do with it?
5: Actually, um what what happened was like I, I never knew what exactly happened, you know, when that was going on. Um by morning time, I must have fallen asleep somehow. Uh my morning time, I wouldn't even think about it until maybe later in the day, and till memories kind of rushed in about you know about it. So that's why you know those are the memories I remember. Um, usually the day after, or so. But I didn't really you know I didn't have them as you know as frequently as you know other people have. But those are my experiences, and I kind of just you know kept it you know just myself. I never never spoke to my parents about them or anything like that. I was, in fact, you know, I, ne- I never even thought to, to talk to my uh, family about it or anything like that. I mean, do, um, you, do
0: you think, looking back on it, um, that that was the the fishing lure to try to get you interested in this stuff? And if you had bitten, it would have evolved? Um, it might have. Um, you know, I'm not quite sure. I... I you know, there
5: was something, you know, the fascination about it was, uh, it was like, I guess there was a, there was a point where I thought, well, I it was me that was doing it and then I can I had some sort of control over it. Like if I if I can actually come up with images in my head that are so vivid like that, that's my natural skill or something like that, you know, something weird like that. But, um, now when I think about it, um... I thought about that too uh, regarding uh, demon possession, where I read you know accounts where whatever you know the the de- demon is wh- that wants to possess you will lure you in. So I guess at times I thought it was you know uh, demons and stuff, and uh, I'm not you know I'm not sure now, but but I guess there's a very you know real possibility that it was. Mm-hmm.
0: kind of learned me out. Uh, Lynn, what about you? When you had experiences, I'm assuming you've had them, uh, what, all your life? Yeah. And you had them early on. Did, were you ever afraid, or was it always, oh, that's some sort of God thing going on?
3: No, I was always afraid. I I, um, I, I have a hard time integrating it all into one thing. I Kind of, my personal reflection is that Maybe it's just different layers of different things. I, I don't know. But um, my brother had experiences a lot, and so did I. He had um, three bumps under his bed every night, um, and he had terrible time sleeping. And we, our household wasn't the calmest of households. Um, and uh, I was bitten once, um, I remember going out and yelling at my dad for biting me, and he, I mean, I was quite convinced. There was something in my room um, around me when I was sleeping, and um, there weren't any marks, but I I could feel this bite on my leg. There's so many sort of odd things. I mean, none of them ever were similar. They didn't follow any pattern. They didn't fall into any typical ghost story that I had ever heard. So for many years, I just never... Really shared them. I just kind of put them in a spot where, you know, I just didn't want to be seen as maybe somebody who didn't have a handle on reality.
0: Well, how old were you when that happened, and, and what did your dad say?
3: He laughed at me. He he couldn't understand. I, I think I was about five. I just, you know, I just woke up right out of the sleep, and I, I, you know, I felt this bite, and I went marching out. And I wasn't, I wasn't a defiant child at all. I. And I just started, you know, really lighting into him and saying, you know, you shouldn't bite me when I'm sleeping. You know, I think that's really bad, you know, five-year-old sort of anger. And uh, he, just, he, he just could not convince me that he didn't bite me. And it wasn't until I kind of went back to my room that I had to admit, my, admit to myself that it wasn't my father, you know, and that bothered me <laughs> a little bit.
0: Sorry for the hushed silence.
3: Oh no, it's, it's Yeah, it's just uh I mean I, I I guess, you know, Jeff has had marks on his body and I think anything like that really terrifies me because there's a sort of sense that you know, there's a sense of wonder that I have and then there's also sort of this this realization that I feel that there there is something cohabitating our reality um Maybe some of it's good, and maybe some of it's not so good
0: well, when you say that your your family was sort of turbulent, what does that mean? Was it an abusive household or was it just a lot of yelling or what?
3: Oh, it was tons of yelling. My parents just um, they they just didn't get along they didn't My dad was was really eccentric and and uh, my mother was a really hard worker and she she worked a lot and he stayed at home with us. I was brought up by him, um, while she worked. And I mean, just weird things would happen. I, I would see things in the house. I mean, one thing that I'm sort of hesitating saying is that I saw Bigfoot in our, in our, in our uh, suburban community when I was with my dad. Um, I feel really silly saying that, but for the longest
0: time, apparently you didn't hear Josh's story. <laughs> or, or anything that Jeff and I have said, for the- or
3: anything of this show. Do you know where you are right now? <laughs> well, I mean, even talking to you guys, I feel silly saying it. I've never no, really don't. said it oh. out loud. I mean, we were driving. Um, I was probably about four at the time. He came around the corner, my dad, um, and there was this field that had just been cleared of a building, but there was like this pipe sticking out of the ground, and there was hay all over the ground. I guess they were trying to absorb oils and things. And this creature was throwing hay into this this vent, just kind of, you know, casually throwing it in there. And my dad pulled over. Um my dad was a Korean war vet. He didn't like being scared of things, so he got out of the car and he said, Hey you jackass, take off your monkey suit <laughs> <laughs> And he started swearing at the thing. And it just looked at us and went back to doing what it was doing. And my dad took steps towards it, and it kind of faced off with my dad. And my dad came back, and he looked at me, and he said, get in the car. That's not a monkey suit. And he just drove back in silence. That's I mean, the most about. awesome story I've ever heard in my life.
1: <laughs> I
0: was just going to say that. That is the best story oh we've heard on this show.
3: That's awesome. <laughs> oh, my
6: God. That's so
3: fucking awesome. Well, it, oh. it was very frustrating for me because I I was like, I saw it. It didn't make any sense. I know it. I mean, my dad was very, very upset. Um, mm. You know, I, I mean, he was like a bulldog. He was just like, you know. Look, you jerk! You better, you know. I forget what he called it, but I mean, he he had a whole litany of things he was saying to this thing, and it could care less what my dad was saying. Huh. It was it was very interesting, and so I know I'm, it wasn't a dream. I'm
1: going to take a guess that uh, the whole notion of uh, anti-structure and uh, and all <laughs> of that, I I'm, I figure that plays pretty heavily for you, right?
3: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Feel I mean, my, just cleared of the building. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the whole, the, my whole childhood was anti-structure. Yeah, it, it it really was. I mean, in every way. I mean, my dad would, you know, uh, my dad put a oh I, I'm not even a bother. It, it would last for hours. The story. No, now what daughter.
1: what did your what did your dad do like for a living? Did was mom working and dad didn't work? Dad was like uh, Mr. Dad or dad, you my know. dad.
3: My dad was actually an inventor. Okay. And my mom is a nurse. And. um you know, very interesting collaboration. I mean, they're both really interesting, interesting people, but they just had very little in common. And, um, my dad just did not believe in rules. He didn't, he thought, uh, college was for idiots. He, he just, he thought anybody who followed the regular structure of things was, was <laughs> just giving up their life completely. And, you know, his idea of understanding things or coming to any conclusions about the world was to think of the most far out thing he possibly could and then move backwards. And I think most people sort of start at a point that seems sort of reasonable and they try and push themselves out that way. He huh. was completely reversed.
1: Now, now, did your dad have any experiences that you knew of? Did he ever, in later years, tell you anything or?
3: He did. Yeah. Uh, when he was a child, he was an orphan. He grew up in Brooklyn. Um, he said he recalled three faces on his wall because he was really sad. He couldn't go out and, um, trick or treat on Halloween. And these three faces were staring down at him. And one, one was kind of friendly. One was scary and one was sort of maniacal. And, uh, He said that he thought that that was sort of nature's way of letting him know what Halloween was like. That's kind of how he saw the world.
1: Wow.
0: What did he he invent? Uh,
3: It was a a life raft that uh, wouldn't turn over, Uh, which doesn't sound like... I mean, you would think that life rafts don't turn over, but... um, he sort of broke into a field that was impossible to break into with, you know, mega giants who controlled the industry. And um, I have no idea how he came up with the invention. He only had a high school diploma. He came up with a very sophisticated design. And um, uh, people were, you know, he he was the only one that had Coast Guard approval for the longest time. Uh, His raft went up in the space shuttle. Wow. And yeah, I mean, he's a brilliant brilliant man. Um
0: why to go up and, in the space shuttle?
3: <laughs>
1: Cuz you need a life raft on me.
0: Oh, right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when when they come back down. Ah, in the yeah. water? Yeah, in the okay. water. <laughs> yeah, it wow. sounds kind of weird, but um <laughs> it's it, you, you can research all of that. I mean, I'm, it sounds kind of bizarre, but it's it's uh, it's out there. Um yeah, so my dad was Mr. Anti-Structure. Yeah,
1: that was him. That is wild. That is wild. I mean, and and uh, later on, Jeremy, you'll, you'll find out that uh, the raft that her dad invented, that's that's the uh, Allagash Abduction Raft. That's uh, that's what <laughs> they were paddling. So that's why her dad was inspired to build the raft, so they could get at the artist in there.
0: That could be. Never it's, it's funny, because as I'm listening to you talk, I realize my dad was Mr. Anti-Structural. I guess I've never... Thought about it that way, but I mean, here you have an inner rim minister uh, whose whole thing was to sort of go into these churches and fix them up and give the liberal spiel about not doing anything for the homeless to rich, uh, you know, upper crust white churches when what they want to hear is the big Christmas sermon, you know. Uh, so he was always this sort of activist political um, guy, guised in religion. Uh, which you know i guess apple tree much uh but then he was also uh an an abusive alcoholic uh not physically so much but um you know very much a yelling ranting raving lunatic for which you know i didn't know he was an alcoholic at the time but that was you know so when my parents were married for the first 9 years you know that was sort of my dad and then on and then on the other hand you know loving caring uh toward my sister and i and um, and cared about the world, you know, in the, the sort of social context of being Mr. Uber-liberal. Um, so that's interesting, huh? I mean... Yeah. I guess yeah, it's, it's like it's a golden
3: there. invitation to the, the supernatural to have an anti-structured dad.
0: Yeah, well, I also find it interesting that, you know, I've, I've had the big I am experience and all that stuff, and it's like, as much as I want to say, well, there's no relation here, I mean, is it a coincidence that there's... So much fucking religion in my family. My uncle, Unitarian minister, my dad, a minister, uh, my sister and cousin, both at one point in their lives thinking about becoming Unitarian ministers. I mean, it's like we've got this preaching gene in the blood, see?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm.
6: The anti-structured gene. Hey, uh, Jeremy, um, could I just ask you a quick question? Um, sure. I seem to recall on a Culture of Contact uh, podcast, I think you went, the whole thing revolved around you going back to your hometown or something like that. Uh-huh. And you talked about how you were running into people. I think you went back for a funeral or something and you were running into people who were telling you things that were fitting into what was going on in your life with regards to UFO UFOs and, and just weirdness. Um, does that tie in at all? Or have you thought a lot about that? Cause I don't think I've ever heard you talk about that on the Paratopia.
0: Um, yeah, I think it does. I mean, it, it wasn't my hometown. It was my mom's, um, home state of Vermont. Okay. It was my grandfather, her father who had died. Um, and yeah, so I, I went to the funeral, and, and everybody seemed to know what I do, and they all wanted to talk to me about it. And I mean, it was like, not just relatives, but the neighbor, uh, Winnie, I think her name was, I mean, the you know, who I'd known growing up, I mean, who had this huge sort of UFO experience and really wanted to talk about it. And of course, my uncle has talked to me about it a couple of times now, um, you know, his UFO sighting and... Yeah, I mean it, it's strange, and I do think there's there's something to it. I mean that's it's a strange town to begin with. Like it, it I don't know if I've ever talked about this, but my sister and I, um, maybe in the last couple of years, it's let up. But for our entire lives, any time we would have a nightmare, it would be um, in Vermont. <laughs> it would be at that grandparents' house or in that town of Groton, Vermont. Um, and we just, we never knew why, and we still don't know why. And nothing bad ever happened to us there, but maybe it's just archetypally scary. I don't know. But there's also something about there are all these tunnels underground from bootleggers, you know, uh, from way back when. So maybe the place is just archetypally frightening. I don't know. Um, Did
3: you have the same nightmare or any similarities in in the nightmares that you have?
0: Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We. I guess maybe we didn't really ever... I think we did talk about that once because I said a lot of it was like the lawn covered with spiders. that's like one recurring thing is like there's some sort of demon or something in the house, and then you have to get out, and then the lawn's covered with spiders or you know zombies everywhere, or a spaceship lands, and you know something gets out and we have a chat those types of things. I don't think she had the spaceship dream, but i I seem to remember her having the the demon in the house dream and the spiders on the lawn thing recurring. Hmm. Um, but I mean, it, 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 I don't know. It's hard to talk about, you know, because my dad, I mean, he grew up in New Hampshire, but I, I've always associated this more with my dad. If I had to say like family history. And yet my mom was the one, uh, who first noticed the UFO that woke me up to all of this in the eighth grade, you know, the fluorescent green with the porthole windows and the whole thing. Um, and it's her brother and it's her neighbor who are the ones who saw ufo's um so i don't know i mean maybe maybe they both are i don't know i don't know maybe they were both involved in some way maybe maybe there's just something about that new hampshire vermont connection that's <laughs> like the typical you know out in the middle of nowhere
6: Well, I think uh, Vermont is renowned for being sort of a haunted state, isn't it? I think uh, one of my favorite uh, comic book artists, uh, Steve Bazette, has uh, illustrated a couple uh, books on the subject. One is the Vermont Ghost Guide, and the other one, I think, is the Vermont Monster Guide. So, um, yeah, that sort of speaks to the maybe there's something to do with place, which I think uh, Phil Imbrogno talks a lot about. So um, well, you know what I'm I find sure.
0: interesting too is uh Jeff, when you and I had that UFO sighting at the bus station, and I think we talked somewhat about that on the show, uh, yeah. and I posted that picture, that awful, you know, camera phone picture, <sighs> the green yeah. blob, but that green, that, that fluorescent green, I mean that was the same green as the ship.
1: Right.
0: Uh it was that same quality of green. It wasn't the same thing, I don't think. I mean I, unless it got closer and suddenly we could see great detail, but as far as I right. can tell, all it was was a light when you and I saw it. Yeah. Um, but I wonder what that is. What do you think that? What do you think it is about that? That color green because that comes up a lot, doesn't it? That does come up
3: a lot. Mm. I, is it plasma? Yeah,
0: <laughs> I don't know. It's such an odd color, and it's so obvious in the sky, and it's so obviously not anything else. That I mean, it almost calls attention to the paradox or the irony. That it's there and nobody's seeing it in the first place, you know? Well, like how, I think, How is the entire world not seeing that? It shouldn't be there. It's a completely different color than anything else in the sky.
1: Well, and if you notice that, you know, we were at a bus station where there are people. And no, I didn't hear one person saying anything about this. And... um you know and i suppose in in you know in future years to come we'll probably be able to talk about the entire scenario of that you know uh, of that that whole event but um I, I don't think it leaves any doubt whatsoever that that was not anything normal uh at all and um I question, you know, if if the event, if if I think of it in the right terms, but um, but certainly, I mean, the the quality of the light is very different than anything you would ever see. It's not the kind of thing you could look at and go, "I think that might be an airplane." Nah, nah, it's a very spiky. Um, I mean, incredibly spiky light. It's very. Um, it it it's almost like there's an aperture there that gets bigger and smaller very quickly um almost as if the light is getting closer to you and further away from you um it, it almost instantaneously back and forth and then what
0: did it last for uh,
1: it was multiple one, times yeah this
0: went on for i mean it played games with us for about i don't know twenty at least twenty minutes right yeah yeah.
3: Were you having a conversation about something that
0: Well, relates- that, That's the part that we'll we'll leave. Oh, for it. Yeah,
3: it's hard oh, okay. to talk about.
1: I mean, there's a um, uh, you know, there's there's a a component to this that you know, at, at a certain. I mean, we were kind of in disbelief for a while.
3: Yeah,
1: and and I'll I'll tell you what what was really unusual about it was we're standing there on this kind of. Uh, You know, the platform for the buses, and you're standing on a curb, a sidewalk curb, and above you is uh, like a pavilion roof. It's a flat roof, and it has very large square uh, lights that are recessed with a piece of white, you know, opaque, uh, opaque, semi-opaque lexan in them. Typical, completely typical. Typical. And all of a sudden, the light over top of Jeremy and I only goes off. <laughs> and then there is, at first, uh, I, I didn't see it. But I think, Jeremy, I think you said that this was kind of like a, a cream-colored light. Yeah, you at were first.
0: facing me, and I was facing out. So right. I noticed this light. And you were like, what, what
1: was that? <laughs> you know, and then... The light went off? And you
0: had said, yeah, the light went off when you turned, of course, so it wasn't there. You were like, well, it's probably a flight path.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, But then we stood there and the light went off again. And I said, get ready. (laughs) And there it was as soon as I said, get ready. Bink. I mean, we're not talking about this thing rising up off the ground or we're talking about appearing in midair. And there's not a hint of anything there at all.
3: Did you feel an energy field change around you? Is that why you said get ready?
1: No, I said get ready because the light went off right above us. Oh, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, there was another I mean, it I think I saw it the first time, then Jeff mm-hmm. saw it and he was like, Wow, well, what is that? And we noticed that the light above us was going off yeah. was you know, going out mm-hmm. when the light in the sky would go on. And so this happened I don't remember I mean maybe it just happened the twice, but I thought it happened a couple of times more. Oh, yeah. And then Jeff got the idea to say get ready (laughs) because the light, because as we were talking, uh, the light above me went out. He says, get ready. And then there's the light. And I don't remember if at that point it was cream or green, because at some point it switched to this other green light.
1: Yeah. It got really green. I mean, it really, really green. Uh, and then, you know, we kept
0: doing that. It kept doing that. And then so it would disappear and the light would go back on above us. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. And it, there were so there were two but there were two lights because you were there was a light above me. There was a light above you and it did me. And then it did you. I, I, oh God, I'd have to go back and and listen to. It. I mean, it was crazy. And then we went out into the parking lot to yeah. try to get as close to this thing as we could and had a few more, you know, odd interactions. And then, you know, my bus came.
4: <laughs> but, yeah. I you know,
0: I mean, you know, Jeff had gone out there to see, you know. Could this be a lighthouse? You know, what could, What the hell could this be? And there ain't nothing. I mean, the last time I was there, you know, it was morning. I mean, this was at night, so it was dark. But you go out there in the morning and you see exactly what is out there and there's nothing out there. I mean, right. there's no, there's nothing a light could be attached to, not even in the distance. I mean, it's no. it's crazy. It's flat yeah. land with nothing. Well,
1: I mean, you're, you're talking about in that direction, you're talking about there's nothing but water. Um I mean, you're looking at the, the bay uh, and, and, and actually from that vantage point, you're in a perfect shot to kind of stare out past the harbor and, and straight on out. So, you know, there's not a whole lot there for it. But to this to isn't think. even
0: that anyway, because like if you like when you're at the garage or in the parking lot or whatever, uh-huh. there's like a towering uh, highway, you know, like a, a raised right. bunch of bridge highways right there. Right. In front of you, so this is way above that. So this is high in the sky. This ain't. This oh, ain't no. coming from anything on the ground. You know what I mean? Like oh no, uh-uh. strange. <laughs>
5: mm-hmm.
1: wait, but it did was it say- was extremely interactive. I'll say that. I mean, out of <laughs> out of all the inner, you know, out of, I, I'll tell you that. And the thing that we're forgetting to talk about is that, uh, as I was, I think I, I think I dropped Jeremy off, and usually I'll wait until, you know, his bus pulls out and uh and the bus wasn't showing up so i parked the car and i was walking across the parking lot and i just there's all these cars going by and there's uh there's people just scurrying everywhere and there's buses pulling in and out and i'm thinking to myself and this thought crossed my mind for some odd reason i said you know anything could grab you out here (laughs) including this phenomena, and no one would ever even take notice. As crowded as it is, no one would even notice. And that thought crossed my mind and then I went in and I was waiting with Jeremy at the bus stop. That's what we were doing. Um, but, but it just uh,
6: it was a completely structureless weekend. <laughs> did you say something about the quality of the light being spiky? Yeah. Or did I mishear that? Oh, okay. So could you compare it to like Curlian uh, photography? Uh, I wouldn't say that. I would say
1: that, I mean, you're familiar with scintillation effect, right? Um, more or less, I think. Heat of the Earth coming off, if you've got a, a low hmm. angle horizon line, um, you know, or horizon object, if you've got something like, uh, uh, Jupiter, or if Jupiter is low on the horizon and it's been a hot day, Jupiter will wave and it will flutter and look very strange. And it's been over the years uh, a big, you know, a big cause for UFO reports because, uh, depending on how hot it is, the heat waves generated across the distance that you're looking, uh, which is probably if you're at a high vantage point, is miles away, you're looking through miles of hot air. And so. You get a scintillation effect. Well, this was scintillation that was not even close to the horizon, and it was frigid, <laughs> and uh, so there was this uh, kind of uh, almost like a lunar light quality about it. It was it was incredibly crystal clear, but the the uh, spikiness of it was just in the sense that it didn't have a set. I mean, if you had any kind of thing to measure luminosity, this thing would have been variable all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed to vibrate uh, very quickly, and um, I, I couldn't tell you what frequency it was. I used to be able to look at a strobe and tell you, you know, what frequency was the strobe flashing and all that sort of thing, but uh, this was no, no kind of pattern at all. So twinkle, uh, twinkle, little star? Absolutely, but large. Right. I mean, large. Um, and I, I, I couldn't for the life of me I'm standing there in the middle of this parking lot and I'm like, I can't figure out why no one is looking at this because not only is it, it's pretty but not only that, but it was big this was not tiny um, is
0: it my imagination or did we not figure out that if you stepped to the right or left of us, you couldn't see it because you couldn't see it when I was looking at it at one point until right. you stepped over to where I was right, that's correct yeah so
2: there's
1: yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think, again, I mean, it, you know, I had that same thing with my wife in the park during daylight. And, you know, and and I think this this thing can be directional. And and, and clearly when. Uh, oh, good Lord. Isn't this awful. It's old age, people. Don't get old. Uh, Ted Phillips, when he was on, he was talking about Marley Woods. And when they were seeing the lights of Marley Woods. Uh, you know, they got on four wheelers and literally did an end run behind these things. And they were standing right there and people on the Hill are like, yes, it's there. And they're like, we see nothing. I mean, if that doesn't tell you that it's directional and that it's meant to be either viewed from one angle or, uh, it's meant for you. And there's the more disconcerting part of it. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: It's yours. (laughs) And it's you, it's there for you, um, to, to see. And, uh, you know, and there you go. Your skeptics now have your way out. So, you know.
0: The end. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody, it's, uh, we're coming up on just about two hours. Uh, so we've kept you, oh, I don't know, an hour longer than I said we would. Does anyone have anything that they want to bring up in closing? I just had a
3: quick thought about Jeff's uh, experience with the old Indians. Mm -hmm. And you could see the tree branches. Do you think, and this is just way out there, but could it be a flashback to maybe a previous life? Uh, I I I, I mean, there's no proof of that, but...
1: I suppose if I believed in such things, then yes.
3: Uh, (laughs) Maybe uh, it was your death you were seeing when you were once an old Indian in the woods, and you were, I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there.
1: I don't know. I mean, that was... um, that was definitely, I mean, if there is such a thing as typical, that wasn't typical for me, at least. Um, and, it, and it sure as hell didn't feel like a dream. But uh, I don't know. It, it, the, the, I think the thing that struck me the most odd about it, not only was what what, what is this about, but the fact that I knew where I was. I, it, this was not um, disorienting or anything like, like an that. Overlap.
3: I, like an Overlap of two different things at the same
1: time. All I could say is I was fully aware that I was in my bed, but what I'm seeing certainly didn't seem like my bed. Um, but yet I knew, you know, I knew where I was. Um, I don't know, it's 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 pretty weird to try and explain something like that, but I, um, you know, in thinking about that, because I ponder this stuff, you know, routinely, uh, any wonder why I have so much of it. Um, I tend to think that, that the guy that I saw is somewhere right now. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, I just, I got that. I got that feeling and, and, and then, well, I don't think it was more than a week ago. I was listening to, uh, uh, some kind of lecture on, on shamanism and, uh, and the fact that these, uh, these these shaman can travel uh you know in, in different ways and and connect with different people uh often in completely random ways. Uh I I mean I'd like to think that he is somewhere and that, you know, I could actually get in a car right now and drive and see this man, but you know, I know that's impossible. But uh I, I get the sense that he is somewhere uh, this is This is not a, like a backwards or forwards in time thing or any, or a spiritual realm or anything like that. I got the feeling like he 's really a man somewhere right now,
3: hmm.
1: whether or not that 's true, who the hell knows
3: yeah, and my other question was um, regarding streber 's aliens with the big heads and little necks, and somebody asked a biologist about it, and the biologist said that was impossible well, was he basing that on say gravity? like a little neck wouldn't support a head that large but i'm thinking maybe gravity doesn't affect wherever or whatever these things are so it wouldn't apply you can't put our our rules on them
0: yeah i don't know if it was that uh, it sounded more like an issue of proportion that that it was more proportion to what a mask would be on a on a head that would really fit that body
3: okay I thought maybe they were saying there's no way a a head that large could be supported by a neck that small, but that would only be true in our gravity.
0: This is true. I mean, maybe that was part of it. I don't know. But, you know, um, because I've certainly heard that argument before. I heard that from a science teacher, I think, in high school, and it never made sense to me. (laughs) It's like, how do you know? I mean, it always gets back to how do you know? (laughs) Right. Um, But I thought it was interesting that not only did Streber say yes, but the... At the end of the movie, when he takes off the mask, you know the if you guys have seen the movie where you know he's looking at himself as a magician and his wife is a magician's assistant and the you know the being is standing there and takes off its mask and there's some sort of i don't know green reptilian looking thing with like a little trunk that that is actually what strieber described, but he said that that act that not that that whole scene happened um that was something that F- Philippe Mora. Uh, you know, embellished, but but the actual, that actual piece of it of taking off the mask and seeing what was underneath, and that what was underneath was that green trunk, person or being or whatever, that's what Streber says he saw. Wow. Uh, and and
1: did he not buy that in the same, in the same breath that he say I'm not buying that? I mean, was that a reality or I was that
0: I don't I don't know I don't know because he said that whole scene was just an amalgamation of. I mean, basically, the s. Es- it sounds like he probably did because it sounds like that was the essence of the experience. Okay. You know that he was drawing on, but but I'm not really clear on that. I didn't ask him.
1: Hmm. Well, there's a future question for Whitley. There you go. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. Anyone else have anything? Well, uh, congratulations on your
3: collaboration. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, kudos. Amazing! I That's can't wait future. to see what comes out
5: of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Look-, look forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I mean, he, you know, he wants to not just sort of distribute through Peritopia, but I guess, uh, you know, we also want to do co- creative uh, collaborations. You know, like we're all going to be in on this together. So this is going to be a lot of fun, and um, we're going to do our best to keep everyone in the loop and just sort of document everything as we go along. Yeah, because um, it's kind of like, well, this is all. <laughs> almost as much yours as it is ours in a way, and, you know? It's like, it's so that's cool. Very cool. All right, I guess uh, we'll sign off. Um, Jason, Tim, Josh, Alice, Lynn, Justin, did I miss anyone? Uh, thank you all for coming on the show. Does anyone have anything to plug? Do you have like a website that you want people to go to? No. No one? Nothing? No. <laughs> Oh <laughs> Jason. I, I do. <laughs> Jason, I know you do. Don't you lie. Uh, I should gotta have uh, my website is down at the moment, so Oh, oh never mind them. Tim?
8: Uh no.
0: Come on, don't be don't be shy. This is your chance.
8: <laughs> um well I do uh occasionally, I haven't done one this year yet, but I do kind of a writing and comics podcast called Write Club. Um so it's just Write Club podcast. Type that into Google, it should come up. Cool. And I did an interview with Alan Moore recently, so No kidding. Yeah. Is that
3: W-R-I-T-E? Yeah, yeah, right, right like in
8: writing. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. So how do we get Alan Moore, Tim?
8: Uh well you could do it. I did and ask him. No, God, <laughs> yeah. I didn't how this works.
0: <laughs> Interesting concept. Uh, yeah.
6: Um, I have a site but it's not really related to the paranormal so it right. um, yeah, just added .com to the end of my username com. I'm a comics guy so yep yeah,
0: cool. it's all there com. very good well once again everyone thank you so much for yes. doing this and giving us so much of your time and uh, for listening in the first place it really means a lot to us and absolutely much much appreciation
1: Thank you, guys. Thanks. Cool. Thank you. It was
0: thanks fun. For having, having great fun. chat. Absolutely. And thanks for no one being crazy. <laughs> 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 I was waiting for the Roscoe of the of the <laughs> <laughs> Next time. Yeah. Very good. All right. Take care, everybody. Okay.
7: Yep. Bye. Thank you. Thanks. Good night. Bye. Have a good night. night.